Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Tuesday edition. We are ready to go. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Crew is all here. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed is the chairman of the board. Becca Rissler, Sleepy, Sleepy Danny, uh, Sarah Triplett, and our entire cast with Outkick. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network, including YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, uh, wherever you may be watching. We say thank you. Gentlemen, Big show planned today. Pekka Rene of the Nashville Predators announcing his retirement. We hit that coming up at noon. Plenty of thoughts there and plenty of thoughts off the Home Run Derby, Team USA, Stephen A. Smith, and much more. You can interact with us at Outkick360. And again, join us on the chat on the YouTube page by hitting subscribe and hitting that bell so you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern right now across the Outkick Network. For a night uh, that was pretty limited with actual sporting events, we've got a lot of big topics to hit in this we first did. hour. And um, I guess we should give a thank you to USA Basketball for <laughs> providing us with such great content. Uh, that this is a country that had lost two games uh, in exhibitions. They were, what, 54-2? and two? Yes. Until the last two nights where they've lost back-to-back. Uh, to Nigeria and Australia, uh, embarrassing performance so far by USA Basketball. And this is not a team void of stars. This is not some C team out there. These are legitimate NBA superstars on this roster, and they have lost back-to-back nights. You said you watched some last night. So how much of it is disinterest in participating in an exhibition game to prepare for Japan how confident are you that they turn it on once they get overseas? Do you have a legitimate worry about their ability to, to play? Or is this just a matter of uh, let's, let's get to the stuff that matters? Well, I, yeah, I'm legitimately worried they're going to get their ass kicked when they get to Tokyo because Australia and Joe Ingles is coming into that game in the press conference saying, we knew we'd beat this team. They're not very good. We knew they have stars, but... We knew that we were going to win this game going in. That's not good when Australia team is saying that. And uh, it's, it's a team thing. It's a cohesion thing. It's a rebounding thing. They don't play good defense. Uh, they're getting killed uh, rebounding. They, they don't have great big men. Um, so there's some roster deficiencies with it. I also think there's a problem with the mindset starting at the top with Greg Popovich. And... Uh, Greg Popovich post game got into it with a reporter who was talking about, you know, typically USA blows teams out in, in these exhibition rounds. And he got very defensive about, well, no, that doesn't happen. You're not seeing blowouts. These teams have gotten better. You're disrespecting these teams. The USA needs to have a little bit more disrespect when it comes to playing these teams. They need to go in like their big brother, like daddy just showed up 
and someone sitting in their chair, like Lance Lee when he walked in. <laughs> he, de he declared that daddy was here, and he went and sat in his chair. Lee. USA Basketball is, is the world's daddy. They should be, at least. They need to take that mentality. And when Greg Popovich is singing the praises of the rest of the world and how they've caught up and don't you dare disrespect these things, give me a break. I think some healthy disdain for other countries when it comes to athletic sporting events is a good thing. And these players should be embarrassed. They should let that drive them. And I don't want to hear about how good the rest of the world is. You are the United States of America in basketball. This is our sport. Everyone else is trying to play catch-up, and you need to take that approach of, I'm big brother, and I'm going to squash this rebellion from the rest of the world, and not go into a press conference and get pissy with the reporter because they point out rightly that typically USA Basketball destroys these teams Yeah, don't, don't provide games. alternate facts. There is a long history of blowouts, plus Nigeria, a country that just blew you out, just also blew out. Australia? Who did they blow they, out? Uh, no, Nigeria blew out Argentina. Who they're playing? Blew today. out Argentina, yeah. okay? They blew out Argentina by 20. U.S. plays Argentina tonight. If you lose to Argentina or even play Argentina close, I mean, I know that property doesn't happen, you know, A beats, A beats B and B beats C and all of that. But if you're looking at U.S. basketball right now, if you have trouble with Argentina tonight, after you lost to Nigeria by 20 and Nigeria beats Argentina by 20, you know, logic says you should be better. And, and he's just kind of dismissing it like there's, there's no meaning here. I, one off, I didn't have a problem with. But two, and him making it like, what, what history of blowouts? I mean, what are, what are you the, talking about? The defensive tone after the second exhibition game as you prepare for the Olympics is alarming. I mean, that's, that's the, the tone that was sent to me is there's an alarm going off uh, because we're leading the stories of today with Team USA 0-2 in exhibition games, which should not happen. I mean, you can go back to 2012 in exhibition games, guys, where two of the first three exhibitions they played were against the Dominican Republic and Great Britain. The final scores, 113-59. to one eighteen to seventy-eight. No history of blowouts. I mean, and that's so. just a random year that I picked up on and looked at the first two matchups. the The other point to make here is the discussion that we've always had about USA basketball is whether or not they should use NBA players in the Olympics because the blowouts happen so often, because there's nothing to watch, and unless you're leading into one of these medal games, that's the whole point of why this is a big story now because they're zero and two in exhibitions and an alarm is going off with Team USA, with the talent that they have, despite COVID, despite the, the, the injury issues across the NBA where certain players opted out, that, that nonetheless, they should be winning these games, and they're not. And the question is, why not? The, the highlights that I saw last night, um, it looked as though they were playing well, but so was Australia. Well, and it's, it's got to matter to you. Uh, th this is what... This is where the rest of the world has caught up. And, and we saw this with, I remember, I think it was 2004, uh, the first, the first the Argentina winning, first time they didn't win the gold medal, ended up, I think, winning the bronze that year. That's where there was this realization that you got to pick guys that want it. And, and you would think by accepting the invitation to be on the team that you want it. And, and you got to take it seriously. Now, 
if you take it seriously and you get the right players, there's no excuse not to run the table when you're Team USA. So the fact that we're hearing so much about them not having their wind, and I know Greg Popovich said that we're just out of shape. We got gassed. These first two games we have a lead, and then we start making mental errors because everyone is so tired. I mean, these guys just played playoff series not that long. They've done nothing, clearly, since whenever their season ended and whatever round of the playoffs these guys ended to now, they've, they've done nothing to stay in shape or stay in basketball shape, and that's clear. And that's a sign to me of guys that don't really care or maybe thought they could just turn it on. But even if you have that confidence in yourself that you can just turn it on, well, turn it on. <laughs> I mean, now's the time to turn it on. I don't know what you're waiting on. That This is getting embarrassing at this point, and you better be ready to go because they're going to get help with three guys that are in the finals, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Certainly those guys will help. But if this series goes seven games, they're done three days before game one in Tokyo of pool play. They'll be fit. They're, they'll be fit, and they're going to hop on <laughs> a plane tired. and go to Tokyo and join those guys and play together yeah. also. So, I mean, there is some meshing that has to go on at some point. I'm just – I'm angry when I see Team USA lose for the third and fourth time all the time. I'm disgusted when I see that Greg Popovich's coach has lost four of the last five and is 9-5 and five overall. 9-5 and five in international competition. They finished seventh in the World Cup. Granted, not with these players, not with as good of players. But still, that should be embarrassing. That shouldn't lead you to a press conference where you defend the honor of Australia and Nigeria. This is USA basketball. Let, let's get with it. Let's get embarrassed a little bit. I think Damian Little looked, looked embarrassed, honestly, sitting next to Greg Popovich is, last night. Is, I, I didn't see anything except the, the clip of the combative back and forth with the reporter about the blowouts. When he's talking about fitness, <clears throat> is there a tone of like, fact of the matter is these guys have to play their way back into shape and that's what we're doing here? Because I'd almost be, uh, as bad as that is, a little bit forgiving of that. Like, listen, these games don't matter. These guys, after their playoff series were over, went and ate and drank and, and haven't picked up a basketball. And so we're using these games as conditioning pretty much. And when we get over there, we'll be in a different frame of mind and place. I'm not saying that's good, but I'm saying that's more understandable than we're just getting beat. Is there a tone of that? Is, is he forgiving on the conditioning thing or is he uh, pissed about the conditioning? Well, he, it's a guy who invented load management uh, with his team. So he's not going to get pissed at them for taking some time off after the season. He's going to be very forgiving of players. I think too forgiving of players, quite frankly. Yeah. But yeah, Paul, he's saying that without saying it. He's saying, look, we get tired in the second half. We got guys trying to get, we're still trying to get our legs underneath us. Our way back. Saying a lot of things like that. Getting our legs underneath, got to get our wind. We've had some fatigue issues. Um, so they're, they're they working through that. They are 12 deep, correct? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> they don't have much time. You know, they've got a game today, and then you're getting ready for the actual tournament. I mean, you... They need to be doing if, – if wind is that big of a problem and they just played in the NBA playoffs so, so soon, then I don't know what you're going to do to get in that great a shape in time for the tournament, which is just right around the, the corner in the Olympics. And this is no dream team when I look no. at their roster. No. But this Hopefully is a roster, a starting team. lineup of Lillard, Bill, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, Adebayo, and Kevin Durant. And they're 0-2. 
Yeah, that's a satisfactory lineup to take to the <laughs> I mean, Olympics. Yes. Right? I mean, Durant alone is a, you know. And a, a even though they sit here 0-2, I'm still thinking, you know, they're, they're going to Tokyo to blow out their opponents. I mean, that's, that's the expectation. And to win the goal. Right. Well, they get France in game one, and that's going to be tough. I think they beat France by three points in 2016 uh, during the tournament. And then they get Iran, which will be a blowout, uh, yeah. regardless of what they did. They, they could don't tell Popovich. They that. could eat Twinkies for the next two weeks and show up and still beat Iran. Uh, but I mean, that's look. There's, I think we're to the point where the rest of the world is better, where you expect a couple challenges. Yeah. You know, there was Spain in tw- in 2008. There's always going to be Lithuania, those teams. Serbia. I think is who they beat in the final by 30. But there, yeah, there's always those teams that okay, this is going to present a challenge. But you can't be losing to Nigeria and Australia in back-to-back nights. And you can't when your team lose. Australia is a challenging Argentina. team. Argentina is keyed by Luis Scola, who's 41. Now, I mean, he was a good NBA player. He's 41. Now, they have four other NBA guys. Campazzo from, from Denver, the best of them. Not guys that the, the list that you just rattled off should lose to in shirts and skins or any. These are role players. Playing against all stars. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the difference here. A perfect example is Bam Adebayo, star for the Miami Heat. Right, he's on Team USA. He's a starter, and Gabe Vincent lit him up for Nigeria, who's barely on the roster in Miami. Right, I mean, he had to w- work his way to make the team. Yeah. That, these are role that's players. Motivation. Those are the NBA players that are uh, with these other countries. Um, this is pretty funny. You, you follow us, by the way, Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty on YouTube. Um, the champ on YouTube says, Kevin Durant will now join Team Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter as well, at Outkick360. We're going to get into the Home Run Derby coming up, uh, where the best players in the game will be uh, on display tonight for the All-Star Game. Uh, NBA Finals Game 4 tomorrow night. We will preview that and much more. Plus, Stephen A. Smith's comments on Otani. A lot to get to, Paul. I've got something from the Home Run Derby that I thought simultaneously made it better but had a side effect that made it worse as a viewer. I'm anxious to share with you guys and see what you think. MyDrHank.com can make you better if you suffer from erectile dysfunction. It affects over half of all men. It does not make you have to feel like half of a man. Since 2017, My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. And My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds to overcome these psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. No need to feel any embarrassment about this, but if you want something shipped discreetly to your home, your office, they can do that for you with My Dr. Hank, and they're going to ship it to you from a pharmacy in the United States. The price is right. Go to MyDrHank.com Outkick. You sign up, and you get 50% off your first subscription order, so price should not be a factor in your decision here. 50% off your first subscription order. MyDrHank.com slash Outkick. Pekka Rene calling it a career here in Nashville after 15 seasons in net for the Nashville Predators. We will discuss that coming up as uh, his press conference is going on now. Plenty of thoughts on his retirement. Uh, that has been known by the organization since late March, early April. Again, more details on that coming up uh, in the Tennessee Power Hour. 
uh, a lot of power on display with the Home Run Derby last night at Coors Field. Um, excellent event. And, Paul, I'm eager to get your take on what you didn't like about it. Well, I, I thought, first off, it was the best I can remember. And I thought the curtain raiser w was the best thing about it. I mean, the Otani thing was a, a big story and disappointing it couldn't quite get there. And incredible. It was Soto that hit the three on three pitches. Yes. yes. Yep. Uh, unbelievable uh, to get into a three-pitch scenario and hit three home runs. I, I, you He's knew, also 22 years you old. You knew Otani Soto. wasn't going to be able to match that because he started every round by uh, with a ground ball even or a line drive at best. Um, that was tremendous. But I thought Mancini against Olsen to open was just terrific. Mancini's story, overcoming cancer, terrific. And he hit, what, 24, and then Olsen almost got him with 23. It was tremendous. Here's the thing. It's, uh, and it takes too long, the whole thing, still. They sped it up, which was good, because you didn't have to wait for the ball to land necessarily for the umpire to give the okay for the pitcher to throw which was great. The pace was better. But in granting that pace, you never really saw a home run. The visual of it, you never tracked the ball the whole way because the next pitch was coming and you don't want to miss the swing. So in not missing the swing, you never really, with the split screen, it was kind of a complicated visual. I don't know about you guys. I bounced back and forth between ESPN and ESPN2. ESPN2 had the stat cast stuff with the launch angle and, and, the, and the exit velo and some uh, distance stuff. I don't think they talked enough about the distance of the ball. They were talking about average distance instead of the distance of the shots. While you could see the distance going up on the scoreboard sometime. But because it was fast, it took away some of the stuff about, whoa, that one was almost 500 feet. And I don't think there was one home run all night that you saw ball off bat, ball in the air, ball landing in stands because the next pitch was coming. So they sped it up, which was good. But as a result of speeding it up, you never really saw a full home run which was bad. I, so I watched it at Buddy's house. We kept it on the StatCast, the ESPN2 version of it throughout. Um, I thought it was incredible. I, I really enjoyed it. The pacing of it was great. They've, they found the right formula with that three-minute clock. Now the clock just saved 10 the pitches. event. Yeah, the clock and the, the ability to call a timeout. It's yeah. exhausting oh my, I mean, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, think of all those home run swings. You know, thir uh, Pete Alonso with 35 in round one. He had over 70 last night. 35 home pitcher. run swings, though, in that short amount of, of time. You know, they sent out some else. graphics of his pitching. We have it. Yeah. Unbelievable how well his pitching Dave Giles, the pitching coach, uh, was excellent for I him. I mean, he the was accuracy. inside the inside of the thing. Yeah, and we're going to show it. It's Here it is. Here, here is the graph. That's his this first is, round. This is the key chart for Pete Alonso uh, and – where the pitches were. That's this sick. is every single pitch. This is not the pitches where he hit a home run. This is every The blue ones are, are non-home runs. It shows the importance of that uh, pitcher that you bring with you. Yeah, for those listening, that you have every you? one of them, it's belt high right down the middle. Yeah, Give or take like It's a strike zone inches. inside the strike zone. It's that incredible. Is remarkable. I, I love the event. Um, I, again, I think the timing of it is perfect. I, I like the ability to call a timeout. The crowd was outstanding. It was packed at Coors Field. It was an energetic yeah, it was crowd. Awesome. Um, I, I'm with you though, Paul. I, I 
the way they, it, to me, it's the angle of the camera. They, they get so close that when you watch a baseball game, you can tell when the ball is hit hard because we're trained to watch a baseball game from, from a certain center depth field camera. from the center field camera, right? So I, if they just backed it up, I'm okay with a split screen showing where the ball lands, but I wish they would just back away from the pitcher and not have that extreme close-up on the batter. That way you could see it at a normal baseball viewing depth. That would have helped. And you would, it would help you see, oh, that ball's got a chance. Or that ball's a line drive to the gap. Or that one's you know a pop-up. You could at least tell that difference Some of them you only knew because the counter was going up. You knew it was well hit. Well, you didn't know if it was going or not. And you only, when it was going real fast, you only knew because the counter was going up. In the top left corner. Well, and you would think, how far did that ball go? And then your only inclination to know what had happened, or the only hint would be they would cut away quickly and show people fighting over a ball. Right. You know, in the upper deck. Or yeah. they'd show some commotion in the middle deck. It's disjointed. And I'm thinking, okay, that's, yeah, that, that part of it, I think visually they could have done a better job with it to make it a little bit easier to tell when the ball was hit out of the park for the viewer. But the event itself, I think I, it was I watch the best, that and I'm thinking, I'd love to it. attend a home run derby. And I, I don't know that I've watched many home run derbies and thought it would be really fun to be in the ballpark for it. I agree with you. But last night at Coors Field, I'm thinking this would be terrific if I ever get a chance to attend. Well, I only want to see a home run derby at Coors Field. Yeah, you don't I mean, want to go anywhere fair. else. Yeah, I mean, that, the ball's flying nine feet further at Coors than it is in any other ballpark. But they didn't do a good enough job showing us that, I didn't feel like. You know, later on Statcast, they showed where they landed. All I needed to see was Otani hit the triple deck, and that's all I needed to see about Later it. on Statcast, they had the graphic at the bottom that showed you, like, the, the outfield bleachers, and it showed the red dots where the balls had landed and the blue dots where they came up short. They got better and better with, with that. Alonzo was unbelievable. The, the one other thing about the bracket, the seeding stuff is kind of ridiculous, and it would make more sense to me, like, if you lose out, if you hit 23 and you lose out to a guy who hit 19 in the first round, it would make sense for me to have the best four go forward, right? The best four totals. I think, I, it, I think it's perfect I like because head it's head-to-head. Head. Head head. You know exactly how, you, how many you need to get if you're battling someone. Uh, and you don't have to take extra swings if you beat the guy that was yeah, ahead of you. Finish. So, yeah, you don't have to finish. So, Pete Alonso was able to quit early in round two against Soto and get ready for the final round. He's incredible. I well, mean, he and it, just it incredible. leads to such drama. Uh, you know, the, the first round we talked about that was the close one. Um, the two bonus rounds they had to go to between Otani yeah. and Soto. But the second one, uh, Otani was tied with, like, a, with six pitches left in his round as the clock was dwindling down and did not hit one home run that would have ended it yeah, at that point. I thought, I thought that was really cool, uh, just the, the countdown of the clock part of it. In that round, we should have known as we bet that it was going to be too hard for him to live up to the to the massive expectations in the in his first thing. In that, you know what drove my wife crazy was the new bottle of Gatorade. Every time a guy stepped out of the box, <laughs> she's like, "It can't give him the same bottle of Gatorade, or a guy can't just have a bottle." You know, I said, "It's a sponsor. They don't give a damn. It's a different color every time." But she was like so angry about that, it took away some of her enjoyment. Of She's the, of a the woman who thing. hates waste. Yeah. <laughs> Very wasteful of them. To bring out a new bottle every time. FanDuel put out a question last night about what, what you would change about the home run derby. And there were several responses uh, on Twitter. I don't know. I, I didn't know how to answer that question. I, I, don't, I wouldn't have changed anything last night. I would change the camera work. 
Yeah, but that that's on ESPN. Right, yeah. That's right. not on Major League Baseball. That's on ESPN. And No, it's the best uh, version of, what of they've one set of these up, competitions. Yeah, what they've set of, up is awesome. Not just baseball, uh, sports-wide. I, I, I found it more enjoyable than anything I can remember in recent memory. All-star game tonight. Otani is starting for the American League. Max Scherzer on the mound for the National League. And with the lineups out, Otani is also going to bat first. He's on full display with Fox on the broadcast this evening. Uh, I'm excited to watch this matchup, too, because of Otani. I want to see what he does. I'm excited to watch the beginning when Otani is pitching yeah. and when Otani's up to bat. I would be lying to you if I said I'm going to sit and watch the entirety of the All-Star game. Way more into the home run derby at this point than I what do we think saw last night than anything that's going to happen tonight. I, do I will check I back in on it throughout the night, but I'm just not going to sit and watch the whole game. But you better believe I'm going to be watching the beginning when Otani's pitching and when he leads off the game. I do think the home run derby, I, I don't know that there's any way around it. It's just long. It, it, it's, it's long. Um, and there's nothing you could do to shorten it, really. What you're saying about a guy being able to end it without taking the full time, you know, by uh, Alonzo hits the last one and, and doesn't use up his whole clock. That's a good shortening mechanism. Uh, you wouldn't want fewer guys in it. But at the end of that thing, like, man, this felt like the length of a, a baseball game almost. And well, it was a little under three hours. And the, the event itself is no longer than NBA All-Star Saturday night with the dunk contest, three-point skills competition. I mean, you factor all that stuff in. Uh, uh, Pro Bowl has a skills competition as well that they do multiple events in. That, that goes roughly two hours. Um, but those are know, multiple I, events. You know, this is one one event that takes three hours. It just feels long to me. I, I again, I I think they've got it right, and I, you know, they they even reduced the time in the final round this year by a minute, and I may, I think they may have reduced the time in the opening round by a minute as well. I also wouldn't be averse to them flipping that. Like I was thinking, we saw thirty five from Mancini in the first round. I'd no, rather 35 from Alonzo. Alonzo in the first round. I'd rather see 35 from Alonzo in the last round, though I know you're getting tired. But if there's yeah. more time, I'd rather I, see more time yeah, in I don't the know. finals I, I like than seeing, in the opening round. I like seeing everyone get their due. I, I don't want to go up in time because I want to see all yeah, eight competitors fair. Fair. have a long time to begin to give themselves a shot to get to get going. I think the format of it's perfect. I, I really I, – I, you know, we often look for things that to, to, to criticize yeah. with an event. I, I think Major League Baseball's got it right. My, I, I'm with you, Paul. Which is the a criticism shocker. of ESPN <laughs> is the camera work. Um, and V Love points out the lack of stats regarding distance was terrible for betters. You know, I know they said yes. the 520 foot shot from Soto. They mentioned that at some point, but you weren't seeing it live. Statcast kind of had action. the bullseye, but it wasn't up all the time. It was up sometimes. Well, the over/under was five nineteen and a half. Did they hit it or no? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the uh, Soto Soto hit five twenty. Yep. Yeah. In the second round. Yeah, I could see V Love if you had if you had a bet on that prop, you were not enjoying. But the I feel like I didn't know that, or they didn't mention that until with the longest home run until maybe a couple rounds after, or when they were into the next game. They had mentioned one of his home runs being 520 feet. And they went feet. back and showed replays. They did a great job of showing it in real time. I also missed, and I don't think they revisited, what triggered the bonuses. Like when they laid out the rules 500 plus foot home runs. Uh, 475. Oh, 475, yeah. If you hit so 475, you got the extra 30 or the extra mm -hmm. minute. 
Yep. So I never, I never heard that, and I don't think they revisited it uh, enough for me anyway. That that wasn't you know entirely locked in on it. But it's a it's a good event, way better than I expected. I well, give him credit. Caleb on uh, Twitter, follow us at Outkick360 says, go back to outs instead of a timer. The abysmal camera work wouldn't exist if they used outs. I disagree. No, I don't. I like think outs. the pacing of it is is part of what makes it so much better. Uh, and how fast-paced it is, and, and with that ticking clock, just adds the drama. Clock, when no, you the see clock it's a close saved game. the event. Yeah, because it it's nearly the same amount of time it took to to do one of these events, but the pace picks up towards the end of the clock, so the time goes by faster for you because you're watching the clock and the batter at the same time. It's it's great drama. They need to. It was really good TV. They last need night. to play with the camera stuff. I mean, maybe you split screen it in a way where one just shows. The whole park, you know, so you're seeing the ball land while they're pitching the next one, and the other one's close up on the batter. That might solve it for me or be a, an initial attempt at the solution. Uh, Alonzo also, uh, he was awesome on headset after his opening round uh, where he, he said, look, I live for this. This is a dream come true. I'm, anytime they ask me to do this, I'm doing it. Uh, and then you find out that he's, he's making more for that event than he is in a, in a season with the New York Mets. Now, that's not going to last very long, but here's his salary versus what he's won in the Home Run Derby. Gets a million dollars for winning. He's won it back-to-back -back years, and there's his salary at $1.47 million over the last two seasons. Well, that's a hell of an incentive for young, good young players who are home run hitters. That's another way to get good names in it, and that's something you want. That's where the dunk contest, dunk contest goes awry, right? You're getting second and third tier guys because big time guys don't have an interest like what's the incentive well here's a pretty good incentive for young guys on low contracts to compete for a million dollars that's a significant life-altering money for pete alonzo at this stage of his career unless you're hurt i don't understand why anyone would say no to a home run derby well if, if you're a, there's a some part evidence of, of it week. messing up some guys swings i just i mean a guy's making six hundred thousand dollars this year alone he made a million dollars last night that's a good incentive. The incentive to me also is it looks fun. Oh, it I looks mean, fun. it's only going to help your brand if you get out there where people are watching. You're a part of all the festivities. Uh, you are in the spotlight for that event. I mean, I, I don't know why you would say no. We have it. seen some guys, though, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if it's enough evidence, but there have been some guys who've participated in this, hit a lot of home runs in this, and had really bad second halves where their swings have... I think that that has changed now, Paul, because, because all of yeah, these right. guys have right. offenses. Oh, yeah. It's You're not right. changing their home run derby swing. When I'm watching is Olsen up there, I mean, that guy is just uppercutting for the fences. I'm marveling at His that left-handed swing. Unbelievable. And that's what that's how they swing every time. They're not trying to you know hit a bloop back up the middle to get a base how hit. How is that guy not they're, a Yankee? They're going out of the park. Yankees have all right-handers. They don't need that guy, Olsen, wherever he comes from. They, He's fun to watch. Coming up, our thoughts on Stephen A. Smith's comments about Otani needing a translator and, and how that helps or hurts his marketability here in the States for Major League Baseball. That's all ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Crew is all here today. Glad you're with us. And if you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel, OutKick 360, where you're automatically entered to win a Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. You can get the entire car kit, car stereo system, 
over $2,500 in value. We're going to give this away to one of our subscribers next month. Our thanks to Sony and Hertz Odyssey for making it happen with Outkick 360 and our YouTube channel. Stephen A. Smith, uh, the, the latest to have to issue an apology uh, through ESPN for comments made yesterday on First Take uh, regarding Shohei Otani uh, and his need of a translator, saying that he's not as marketable as what he could be if he spoke English. Uh, he said as much um, on First Take yesterday. Um, he said you can't understand what he's saying, uh, in short, and then issued this apology written we did another one on video. Um, guys, it, here's the thing. It's, it's how he said it. It's not that he said it because he's not wrong. If he speaks English in the United States, he's going to receive more endorsements. He's going to be more marketable. But it's how he said it. You know, it, him saying on first take, if we could understand what the hell he's saying, it would be better. Uh, is different than the tone in the written apology or what he had to say sitting down in front of his iPhone yesterday. Do you guys agree? I agree. I also think that Stephen A. Smith is almost guilty of being too Stephen A. Smith with this. And what I mean by that is his everyday tone about things is shouting into a camera. Yeah. And that's what he does. So when you shout these things... It sounds racially insensitive, and I don't think the merit of what he was saying is that racially insensitive. It's not, it is a fact to say, I could use this with any country, that it is more of a benefit to be the face of a sport in the country if you speak the majority language of that country. The way I just said it doesn't sound insensitive because it's just stating a fact. If he posed a question and wasn't so demonstrative and said, you know, guys, I really just wonder if he's ever going to rise to be the face of Major League Baseball if he has to use an interpreter and English isn't a language that he speaks when we're talking about marketing, advertising, everything else. If he asked in that way, I don't think it's controversial. But when you're yelling into a camera that this guy is, ne you're never going to be anything, you're not going to be the face because you use an interpreter, it sounds worse than the merit of what he's actually saying. I, I agree entirely with what you said, Chad. I also wondered this. and. And this is something that bugs me about Stephen A. Smith and people with his level of platform. And I think, uh, you know, if we were having this conversation, we would have gone and done the homework on this. Is Otani intending to learn English? Is he attempting to learn English? He's only been here two years. You know, so he's kind of presuming that he's, he's not. Well, he, um, there are videos of him speaking English. So, but, Paul, I mean, you, you say that Manu Ginobili should speak better English at this point of, of his career or, or with the Spurs. I mean, what you're saying there is not any different than what Stephen A. Smith is saying now as far as marketability and what you're wanting to hear from a star athlete. Well, as I said, I, I agree with what Chad said and what your, your opening premise, that it's about the delivery yeah. more than anything. But also, like, when you just get on there and scream about it and you don't ha provide any of the context, like, he makes it sound like this guy absolutely isn't trying or doesn't have yeah. the intention. You're and saying I think he may be learning right now for all we know. Right. He won't need an There are a year, lot of he... guys who speak English and do press conferences in Spanish on purpose to avoid things. Sammy Sosa. 
Right. And there are other guys who work diligently to try to learn English as best as they can, as fast as they can, to make themselves more marketable and to make themselves, uh, for lack of a better term, fit in in a way that is more accommodating to the environment around them, whether that's their obligation or not, because they feel that's the way to go or their representatives do. Uh, Stephen A. Smith didn't touch on that. And this leads me to a broader point. People shouldn't care so much what Stephen A. Smith and other people like Stephen A. Smith say. The blowhards who get on TV and scream an opinion on absolutely everything. Because if you have an opinion on absolutely everything and know, and his expertise is not baseball. And that's a lot of the reaction to this is he doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know baseball. But I don't, don't, I don't, you don't have to know baseball to say what he said. No, you don't. You just know marketing. But I just can't stand how much attention he gets, Bayless gets, these guys get for going on air and screaming well, the, about absolutely everything. The reaction yesterday that I was seeing was more about what if Max Kellerman had said this instead of Stephen A. Smith? What would ESPN's reaction be to Max Kellerman instead of Stephen A. Smith? Because Stephen A. responded on Twitter by saying, I know what I said, and I also know I'm black. He said that on Twitter prior to this written apology. Yeah, he had a video apology that didn't re, it didn't sound anything like this written apology. So, and, and I agree, like, in the video apology, he still has the tone. In the written apology, the tone is gone, even though you can kind of hear it, like uh, you read it in his voice. But he didn't say anything close to the same thing in what he put in the video and what he put in the writing. I, 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 there's, a, there's a few things on this, because, and Hutton, you're right, the biggest reaction I saw was the hypocrisy of Rachel Nichols being taken off the sideline, being benched from her show for a day, and having to issue an apology on air uh, for a, a, a phone conversation, a Zoom conversation that got leaked, where she didn't even say anything racist. And then the reaction to Stephen A. Smith, people have a problem with that hypocrisy. And look, I think people are right. If, if, uh, if a white person on, um, on ESPN said that, they probably would have been suspended or something worse would have happened. And I think that if you want something that's merit-based and not race-based, you're not getting that right now at ESPN with decisions that are made. And uh, I also think this, though. If you are anti-cancel culture and don't think everyone should be canceled, then I, Stephen A. Smith shouldn't be canceled. Right. I don't want to see Stephen A. Smith suspended over saying that. I, I don't think that if he doesn't want to apologize, he shouldn't apologize. I mean, how many times does... Skip Bayless talked about mental health with Dak Prescott very carelessly and, and criticized him about you know saying uh, the, the problems he had with mental health. Did he have to issue an apology? Not to my knowledge. And if he doesn't want to apologize, don't. And that's that's part of this too. I, I think we get into this. I hate cancel culture so much, but yet I'm still going to go after Stephen A. Smith and crush him. Because he's not being canceled. Right. Because a white guy would have been canceled. Well, if you hate cancel culture, you hate it across the board. Very well said. So you can come back and say, you know, I don't think that Stephen A. Smith should be forced into an apology, just like I didn't think that Rachel Nichols should have been forced into an apology. I feel that way about both of them. I don't think anything he said was that wrong. I also agree that it would have been handled differently if Stephen A. Smith wasn't black. But I'm all for Stephen A. Smith not being forced into an apology and not being suspended and not being canceled. Because he shared his opinion. The, the best reaction I heard to, well, what he said isn't wrong was, well, it can also be solved if Otani played for 
a handful of teams other than the Angels, the marketability goes up immediately there. If he plays for the Dodgers instead of the Angels, it's much different. Problem. It's much different sold. today. But it's also very intriguing that he is out in the L.A. market. He's in L.A. County and is not viewed in the same frame as what he would be if he were playing for the Dodgers. It's, it's bizarre to me. As much as they try to put this guy on a pedestal, it's not at the level that I would expect it should be received. It's one of the more undercovered stories of the last sports year is what Shohei Otani has done. What, what he's doing, not has done, what he's in the middle of doing. Uh, but yet it's being force-fed like you have to see this because it's the most it's the greatest thing since Babe Ruth and here's why and all these stats. And we had the conversation last week. A lot of the public just doesn't care. They're, they're not going to tune in because it's just Otani at bat. I hope that changes because he is a special player, but what he, what Stephen A. Smith said is also not wrong. What what he's saying is if he could go and if he spoke English instead of needing the interpreter, it would be a, a, a market that Major League Baseball could hit much further than what they're able to right now. And, and that's accurate. Yes, I, I totally agree. Drake on Twitter says this also. I think what Stephen A. Smith said was dumb criticism. I don't care if he speaks English or not, but I think it's a little hypocritical to see how marketable Tatis is, and people are more than willing to say that's in large part because he speaks English so well. My favorite player is Ronald Acuna Jr. To my knowledge, he has no interest in learning English. He does every interview through a translator. Same goes for Ronald Acuna Jr. He would be more marketable if he spoke English. Now, it's his right to not learn English if he but, doesn't want to. That's, sure. If he wants to play baseball and speak one yeah, language. Yeah, no one's saying he has to. That's, that's the deal. But, I mean, that's my favorite player. But we can also acknowledge it's not, it's not a race issue of you're from a Spanish-speaking country or a Japanese-speaking you know, country. It's an English issue. Right. Right? There, that's the way to look at it is from a marketability standpoint – Regardless of sport, if you're in a country, speaking the predominant language of that country is a benefit to you, and it can be a hindrance if you don't. That's what Stephen A. Smith is saying. I agree with that broad point. I think he's the victim of saying it in a way that was very Stephen A. Smith, and people don't like it for it. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll go back to what we've talked about with this Otani's limitations with the Angels, and we've talked about this uh, repeatedly when we've talked about Otani. And in conjunction with Trout and the Angels' inability to do something else that makes their guys marketable, mm -hmm. get in the postseason. <laughs> uh, so I came across this treat yesterday, which I thought was excellent. It's just by some random guy, Matt, Matt O'Mick. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tugston Arm O'Doyle of the 1921 Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. And that's pretty much how it goes. You hear these great Trout and Otani things, and the Angels lose and don't, don't get any notoriety. It's, I mean, look, it, it's remarkable what's being done. I, I think from a broad sense, it's a broad baseball problem that we're seeing with uh, people not tuning in as much to Otani. That still needs to be addressed. Um, and, and I'll say this also. People are saying on the YouTube chat, there are American athletes who have gone overseas that it's not an issue for them that they don't speak the native language of their country. We've seen soccer 
players going that they're just every bit as popular in other countries and that it's more of an American issue. One thing I want to hit on that Stephen A. Smith said that I think he was said very poorly. He said, this is America. It's never going to be that way in America. And it, it, to me, it sounded like, oh, well, America's racist and you know that, that's why it's not going to work because he speaks a foreign language. I think the, the better point to that is we're not as multilingual in America. You guys have been in Europe. I've been in Europe. Over there, almost everyone speaks English. Yeah. Yes. If you could go play uh, for Inter Milan as an American, and, and there's a lot of Italian, uh, you know, Italian people that are speaking English also. So it's just not as big of a language barrier issue. So the point of this is America, if it was made from the standpoint of we speak English in America and we're not out there learning a ton of different languages like in Europe, then I understand that point, but I think the way he was screaming, this is America, almost made it sound like, well, America's so racist and doesn't care about anyone from a foreign country that it's never going to work. That's the way I took it, at least. Uh, he issued his apology. I didn't watch his show this morning uh, where he said he was going to go in further on TV, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure he did, uh, and I, I'm sure that that will be recycled on social media quite a bit. Um, but Chad's overall point is, is one I've and I believe Paul is, is with too. Uh, what, he, what he said in his apology is dead on right, but if he didn't feel like he needed to apologize, he shouldn't have for what he said yesterday on his show. Uh, but he did that in a Stephen A. Smith tone, and that left us where we were yesterday on social media. And he apologized clearly under pressure from ESPN. Yes. And we don't think he raised well, his hand and stepped forward and said, oh, the written I apology. misspoke. The written yeah, apology. the written apology I, is at the hands of ESPN. Because the video... It, didn't you get the sense the video was him reading reaction and sitting down Clarifying. and recording exactly what he meant? Yeah. Listen, you're taking, you're, you're going a little crazy with what I said. Here's yeah, what I yeah. meant. Let me clarify for those that are confused. Yeah. And then the written apology came Was later. another level that evolved, it seemed to me. Uh, not, maybe not just his bosses, but maybe human resources. Coming up. The Tennessee Power Hour, we will kick things off. Our discussion of Pekka Rene, the Nashville Predators goaltender for 15 seasons, announced his retirement today. That's next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.